Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we look ahead to Monday's CAF Champions League final with Al Ahly of Egypt playing Widad Casablanca of Morocco in Morocco. Also, the group stage of qualifying for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations starts next week. We hear from Malawi coach Mario Maranika as the Flames aim for back-to-back qualifications. So, obviously, you know, uh, it's a mammoth task. As coming later, also we take a look at the best African players in the just-ended Italian Serie A season and Stuart on how formidable Manchester City will be next season with Erling Haaland up front for them. So first, the final of the CAF Champions League is on this coming Monday and Al Ahly of Egypt are aiming for a record-extending 11th title and amid much controversy, they play Widad Casablanca of Morocco in a one-legged final which will be played in Widad's home city of Casablanca at their home ground, the Mohammed V Stadium in Casablanca. Remember that Morocco was the only country with a bid to host the final after Senegal withdrew their bid. Now, South African coach Pizzo Mossimani is aiming for yet more success with Al-Athli. How do you see this game going, Ida? Well, this one looks like an open game, Steve. And as with football, you know, anything can happen. I mean, sure, Al-Ali might be favorites based on their record in the competition, you know, 10 titles. But as we've been discussing for the last couple of weeks now, Widad do have home advantage. And we all know how important that can be. But Al-Ali, in true fashion, of course, have tried to even out the playing field, if you will. The African Club of the Century, Steve, in conjunction with the Egyptian Ministry of Sport and a national tourism company, will fund the fund's one-day trips to Morocco with 3,000 Egyptian pounds per person. Now, that's around $160, give or take. And look, that can cover close to half the airfare, so... To me, at least, that's really commendable, you know. But away from that, Al-Ali will be eyeing their third consecutive title, while Widad, of course, will be aiming to win their first since 2017. And uh, don't forget that to win that title five years ago, Widad had to beat Al-Ali. So these are teams with history, clearly. For example, Steve, in their last 10 meetings, and this dates back to 2011, Al-Ali have won four, Widad have won two, and the teams have drawn four times. So going by this, then history as well does favor the Egyptians. Add to this the fact that Al-Ali haven't lost a knockout game since Mamelodi Sundowns, Ironically, by the way, if you think about it, (laughs) knocked them out in the 2018-2019 season. This, however, will be the Moroccans' third final appearance in six years, so you can see that they're also consistent. 
Well, Steve, CAF did reveal that South African referee Victor Gomez will officiate the clash. Now, Pitso's countryman has handled some big, big games, including the 2020 CAF Champions League semi-final. That was when Al Ali beat Wydad 5-1 on aggregate. So you can see once again that all parties involved do know each other at least pretty well on the pitch. Steve, if Al Ali win it, it will cement Pitso Mosimene's status in the throes of football, not just African football, at least to me, but football generally. A third CAF Champions League title on the trot. Steve, that would be absolutely mind-blowing. Yes, and the final of the CAF Champions League is on Monday evening. And next Wednesday, the group stage of qualifying for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations finals gets underway. Uh, There are two rounds of qualifiers in the space of 13 days. Now, I'm in Zimbabwe and Ida's in Kenya, and both of our countries have been eliminated from the qualifiers as they failed to meet CAF's condition of having their FIFA suspensions lifted ahead of the opening matches. Uh, CAF said they had included Zimbabwe and Kenya in the official draw last month on condition that their suspensions must be lifted two weeks before their first match day. Uh, Well, here in Zimbabwe, there was no way that the FIFA suspension was going to be lifted. Uh, The government-appointed Sports and Recreation Commission suspended the board of the Zimbabwe Football Association last November, and FIFA says the board must be reinstated. Uh, However, the Sports and Recreation Commission has set up a restructuring committee to address issues in football uh, running up to the end of this year. So they're sort of going it alone and facing the consequences of the FIFA ban. Uh, So here we weren't expecting to get to play in the AFCON qualifiers. Uh, What's the situation there in Kenya, Ida? Um, It's pretty much similar, Steve. And look, anyone being honest with themselves on this side will tell you that we knew from the get-go that there was no way Kenya was going to play in these qualifiers. You see, it's been a bitter push and pull for a while now between the Kenyan Ministry of Sport and the now disbanded Kenyan FA, correctly known as the Football Kenya Federation, or the FKF. So the ministry disbanded the FKF over alleged misappropriation of funds. That was back in late 2021. And naturally, this move was seen as government interference by FIFA, which proceeded to suspend Kenya, and this suspension was then ratified during the FIFA Congress, same as Zimbabwe's. And just like Zimbabwe, Steve, the Kenyan government set up what they called a caretaker committee, you know, to basically facilitate the transition and take care of football activities within the country. Now, the tenure of this committee has since expired, which leaves a huge void because stakeholders now don't know the direction of football within Kenya. And CAF now says that Kenya and Zimbabwe, and I quote, have not yet met the criteria required by the FIFA Congress as a prerequisite for lifting their suspension, end of quote. Now, part of this criteria, Steve, at least for Kenya, was to return the disbanded FA or FKF in this case, as well as open its office of operations known as Kandanda House. Now, all this hasn't happened. 
The irony, Steve, is that all this happened in the backdrop of the FIFA World Cup trophy making its tour through Kenya. Ironic because it's a country that now doesn't have the capacity to even take part in international football. So interesting times. We'll see for how long this will last, but something ultimately will need to give. Yes, yeah, so challenging times for Kenya and for Zimbabwe with their FIFA bans at the moment. Okay, let's hear from a country that is playing in the qualifiers. That's Malawi, who did really well to reach the round of 16 at this year's finals, uh, losing 2-1 to Morocco there, with Gabardinio Mango scoring one of the best goals of the tournament with a superb long shot. Uh, Mango, we hear, is likely to move from Orlando Pirates to another South African club, Amazulu. Otherwise, uh, the Flames have a mostly home-based squad. Now, Malawi's Romanian coach, Maria Maranika, is hoping to take the Flames back to the finals, but they are in what is surely the most difficult group, with Egypt, Guinea and Ethiopia in Group D, where all four teams had qualified for the 2021 finals. Well, Maranika spoke to Nick Said on the Cassava podcast about the draw. Well, uh, like all the draws, uh, you cannot say that uh, they are easy draws or... Uh extremely difficult draws, but ours seems to be, you know, extremely complicated one. Well, it's a shame that uh, all these four teams have uh, been uh, playing in AFCON and two of them are going to miss. Um, if you are to say uh, Egypt and Guinea in terms of football terms, you think straight away of Salah and uh, Keita that speaks volumes. Uh, actually, you know, that makes the uh, task extremely difficult for any coach here. Uh, and never mind any teams that are going to face them. So uh, obviously, you know, uh, it's a mammoth task. And um, also, uh, not that much things have been changed in that point. Uh, our 28 players card is still worth about 4.5 million. And uh, if if you have to compare with uh, the worth of uh, other squads we face in a group, it's massive. Uh, but uh, however, like uh, in Afcon, uh, with hard work, great determination, very well prepared, we'll have uh, our chances and we'll have to fight for our chances. Yeah, Coach, you, you talk about there about the Nations Cup in Cameroon. Surely that must give you confidence um, that you can uh, take this team to another finals. Just the, the displays and, as you say, the heart and, and that was on show in that, in that tournament. Yes, indeed. Uh, I said, you know, uh, not that much change, things has been changed. Unfortunately, our, for example, top player, Gabadino Mango, uh, like in Afcon, is still not a regular for his team. But uh, like in Afcon, uh, uh, we believe in him and we believe in every single player out of 28 uh, we choose. Uh, we uh, think that uh, uh, by working hard, being organized, uh, we have our chances. So therefore, we believe in our chances. So that's Malawi's Romanian coach, Mario Maranica, speaking there to the Kasafa podcast. So tough draw for Malawi in AFCON qualifying. And the coach there was highlighting that the estimated total value of the Malawi squad is around about four and a half million dollars. Compare that to Egypt star player Mohamed Salah. His current value is around about a hundred and seven million. So he alone is totally dwarfing the value of the Flames squad. But uh, how do you rate the chances of qualifying, Ida? Well, Steve, Malawi getting to the furthest stage ever at the last Afghan was hopefully something that they can use to propel themselves for even more. As for the qualifying group, it is a tough one. Ethiopia, I believe, were the only team to get knocked out of the group stage in Cameroon. 
So you can see the group does have some heavyweights, but it just depends, is it your day or not? I mean, we've seen minnows not only qualify for the Afghan, but go all the way to the quarters. And a quick one, Steve, other than the Flames, but still focusing on the group, well, Malawi will play host to the game between Ethiopia and Egypt. Uh, since Ethiopia-based venues did fail to meet the minimum requirements as per the CAF club licensing criteria. Yeah, thanks, Ida. So those Nations Cup qualifiers begin on Wednesday of next week. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, show brought to you by Passion for Sport, we're heading to Italy. Uh, as most of the European leagues have now come to an end, uh, we looked at the top Africans in France last week with Ivory Coast Seco Fofana, the star there with Lance. Now, Solis Chukwu in Lagos in Nigeria joins us again, this time to look at the Africans who did well in Italy's Serie A, with Ivorian Frank Kessi scoring on the final day for AC Milan, who beat Sassuolo to take the title. Uh, so, Solis, which Africans were the standouts in Serie A? Yes, the really memorable, memorable win for AC Milan, who have been waiting to win the Scudetto now for um, something like a decade. So for them to finally get over the line must have been a real, brought a real sense of vindication to the project there at AC Milan. Um, Frank Kessie was brilliant in midfield, obviously, like you say, he scored on the final day. Um, Ismail Benasser as well, with whom he has something of a partnership, even though, of course, we saw Sandro Tonali really coming to his own in that midfield. But Kessie and Benasser more than played a role. Um, did their own bit in ensuring that AC Milan got over the line in what was a very, very tense title race with within with Inter, their city rivals. Um, you have to look at Napoli. Unfortunately, they fell short in their bid to reclaim the title. They just couldn't score enough goals. But you look at um, someone like Khalidou Koulibaly at the back, who yet again um, proved to be one of the standout defenders in Syria. I mean, whenever you think that he's maxed out his potential, he just seems to get better, more and more dominant in the air, on the ground, really excels bringing the ball out from the back, his passing, his ball carrying, um, those sorties from, you know, from defense all the way into the final third every now and again to sporadically surprise opponents. So, yeah, I think he was one of the standard African players in Syria, in my opinion. Um, in midfield, Andre Zambo and Gisa really gave a good account of himself. Um, the Cameroonian, you know, he's he on loan from Fulham, but he brought all of that control, all of that calm passing ability, all of that ball carrying and dribbling that we know he's capable of. And um, we know Napoli have exercised their right to keep him on um, after the, um, the expiration of the loan deal. So that tells you how happy they are with his performances. Up front, Victor Simen was... Just an absolute battering ram of a centre forward. And all of that pace, all of that agility, all of that running power brought to bear for Napoli. I think he scored the most headers in Syria. So that, that tells you something about his aerial dominance. Um, his game still needs some polishing, but this season he took a really big step, even, even considering the fact that he had some time off with, you know, that really nasty facial injury. So yeah, the Napoli boys really gave, gave a good account of themselves. Beyond that, in mid-table, um, I, I find Bologna a very interesting side. They continue to punch above their weight and, you know, finish quite comfortably, even though they had manager Sinisa Mihailovic sporadically taking treatments for cancer. Um, up front, they had Musa Baru, you know, the Gambia international, who um, is just one of those players who excels at doing the unexpected, doing the spectacular, I mean, three, six goals and six assists tells his own story excellent player on his day great in a very counter-attacking very speedy um side there at bologna 
at Omar Kali, for example, at, at Sampdoria, another excellent defensive player um, who really excelled in in Syria. I mean, Gambia's influence in Syria, of course, as we know, has been growing steadily over the years, and um, Kali and Baru have been great ambassadors for the Scorpions in Italy. So, yeah, a lot of really impressive African players in in Syria. I would I would say if I had to pick one. Even though Kessi won the league, and so yeah, he deserves a lot of credit. But I would say either Koulibaly or Simen for me was a standout player in, in Syria this past season from an African perspective. So Senegal's Kaloudou Koulibaly and his teammate at Napoli, Victor Osimen, the Nigerian, getting a special mention in Italy's Syria A. Thanks a lot to Solis Chukwu in Lagos. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the drama of the final day of the English Premier League. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Let's go to social media now. And last week we asked, who do you think was the best African in the English Premier League this just-ended season? And we had a huge response. Uh, Too many to mention, so I'll just summarise and pick out a few of the comments. And uh, many went for Egypt and Liverpool forward Mohamed Salah, including Sam D in Sierra Leone and Felix in the Gambia. And uh, Jaube Mbondorp said uh, Salah has been phenomenal. He actually changed from his traditional selfish attitude to a generous teammate. However, Mane can't be underestimated. Bravo to Africa, uh, says Jaube. Uh, Agbor reigning Christian in Cameroon says the stats don't lie. Salah is bigger than all the African players in the English Premier League. And uh, Chester Gwanwakai in Liberia says no argument, it's Mo Salah. But it was the Senegal and Liverpool forward Sadio Mane who got the most mentions overall. Uh, Smith in Ghana, Muna in Zimbabwe and Abad Junior also in Zimbabwe were among those who opted for Mane. Uh, so too Alassane Drame in the Gambia who says, I think Mane deserved it after beating Salah both in World Cup qualifying and in the Africa Cup of Nations final. Uh, Sideko Suno from the Gambia says, I choose Sadio Mane and Ilan K. Hunda in Zimbabwe says Salah is the Egyptian king and Mane is the king of Africa. And anyway, Martin Mayera is a big fan of Mane and in a mathematical equation, he said Mares plus Salah plus Aubameyang equals Mane. And other suggestions that we had, Ojekemi March Christopher in Nigeria went for the Senegal and Chelsea goalkeeper Edouard Mendy. Uh, so too did Afiz Opeyemi in Nigeria. And Akeba Jallo says Riyad Mahrez of Algeria and Man City is by far the best player. And Keba gave us some statistics here, saying Mahrez was scoring one goal every 120 minutes played, as Salah one goal every 123 minutes played, and Cristiano Ronaldo Ronaldo, one goal every 136 minutes on the pitch. Uh, so Keba saying, imagine if Mahrez had the same amount of game time as Salah or Mane this season. Well, thanks a lot uh, for all of those comments. So great to hear from you. Let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK now. And uh, Stuart, a case there for Mahrez. And what's your verdict on the best African player in the Premier League this season? Uh, some really interesting statistics indeed, Steve. But I'm a real fan of Riyad Mahrez. 
And Marius is, of course, is a lot more than just a goal scorer with all the chances that he creates for others. And the way he helps Manchester City to dominate possession, which is such a key part of their strategy. I think also you have to look at the way City play and the way Liverpool play. Liverpool under Klopp have normally had two or three out-and-out strikers. Choose two, three from Mane, Salah, Firmino, Jota, Diaz. While City's goals, as we have remarked, tend to come from all over the place. I keep mentioning the statistic of having four different players scoring more than ten times this season. Mares is certainly a great player, just don't let him take the penalties. But can I throw in two other names whose goals per minute ratio is not quite as good as the ones quoted? And that's Emmanuel Dennis at Watford and Maxwell Corney of Burnley. Let me make my point like this. Mares scored 11 goals for Manchester City, but that's 11 of 99 league goals. Salah finished with 23 of Liverpool's 94 goals. But going back to Dennis and Corney, Watford scored just 24 league goals and Dennis got 10 of them. You know, that's almost half their goals. Burnley got just 34 league goals. Corney scored 9 of them. And Salah and Mares were playing for attacking clubs which generally dominate the opposition, dominate possession. Poor old Dennis and Corney are playing for clubs which between them managed to win just 13 of 76 Premier League games this season. So while I'm happy to accept Mares as the African Player of the Year, I would like an honourable mention for players like Emmanuel Dennis and Maxwell Corney. But, oh, I wouldn't put Corny on penalty duties either. <laughs> no, uh, did miss a crucial one, uh, didn't he? So um, there's various ways of looking at it. You can read the comments uh, on our Facebook page. And, uh, well, what a dramatic final day to the Premier League season uh, last Sunday, Stuart. Uh, Man City taking it, but only just. There were so many unexpected twists and, frankly, the afternoon surpassed any reasonable expectations. There were a lot more goals per game than average and 27 goals came in the second half at that. Now, we knew in advance that Manchester City only needed to win to be Premier League champions and they were only playing Aston Villa from the bottom half of the table. But no one would have predicted that City would be 2-0 down to Villa with just 15 minutes left, with the title seemingly slipping away. Then City scored three goals in six minutes, with substitute Gundogan getting two of them. Liverpool, their only challengers, were being equally generous, going behind to Wolves and not managing to get their winning goal until the 84th minute. So what drama we had! With Chelsea, Tottenham and Arsenal all winning, Chelsea finished third, Tottenham fourth and Arsenal fifth. And at the bottom, it was Burnley who joined Watford and Norwich in relegation. Burnley losing 2-1 at home to Newcastle, despite the Ivorian Maxwell Corney scoring. Leeds won at Brentford with a 94th minute goal. But Steve, there could still be a sting in the tail because Everton have reported debts which are outside the limit set by the Premier League. And we understand that Burnley and Leeds have asked the Premier League what action they are taking against 
Everton. And remember that Derby County were relegated from the championship largely because of points deductions for financial irregularities. Might Everton still face a points deduction and relegation? Who knows? Well, it really was a memorable season. There's so much excitement. We'll keep following that uh, Everton story. Um, so Man City, the champions again, uh, and they will be having Norwegian striker Erling Haaland. They've signed him from Borussia Dortmund. He'll be with them next season. And Haaland is regarded as one of the best strikers in the world. Remember, City have been without an out-and-out striker this season. So, looks like good news for City fans, Stuart. Uh, bad news for fans of other clubs. Well, yes, Steve, it's good to see Manchester City signing another local boy. You mentioned that he's Norwegian, he is, but he was in fact born an hour from Manchester because his father was playing for Manchester City. It's widely rumoured all year that Erling Haaland was going to leave Borussia Dortmund in the summer and City were always favourites. Manchester United and Chelsea were supposed to be interested as well, but it was difficult to see a player with his father's Manchester City connections joining United. And frankly, with United struggling to qualify for the Europa League, never mind the Champions League, it was always going to be difficult for them to attract such a top player. Chelsea, in the process of changing ownership, were not in a position to make a serious bid. And while Paris Saint-Germain certainly had the money, he was always more likely to finish up in the Premier League than in France. Haaland is 21, but has been playing professional football for five years. He scored 14 goals in the Norwegian League, 17 for Salzburg in Austria, but at Dortmund he scored 62 goals in 67 league games, virtually a goal a game. Now, Kevin De Bruyne is said to be earning about $450,000 a week. Yes, I said per week. And it's understood that Haaland would be paid the same. Haaland's transfer fee is only $60 million because the player had a release clause in his contract. Without that, the fee could have been double. It's certainly, as you say, good news for Manchester City supporters, but an interesting development because, as you say, Pep Guardiola has tended to play without an out-and-out striker. Now, we've mentioned in previous programmes how ten times this season City have scored four goals with four different goal scorers. Their goals come from all directions, so it'll be interesting to see quite how they change the style to suit Haaland. You could also say it's bad news for Harry Kane, who seemed on the point of joining City last summer, and we wondered if that transfer story might be revived this summer, but they've gone for Haaland instead. I've talked about how the $100 million signing Jack Grealish has struggled for game time at Manchester City. And now he and Gabriel Jesus may feel that they've dropped further down the packing order, as surely Haaland will expect to play in all the big games. Yeah, and uh, quite a fearsome squad that uh, Pep Guardiola is going to have for next season. And uh, so much to talk about, Stuart. Just finally, um, manager of the season. It's a debatable one. Uh, many would say uh, Guardiola because he won the title. But uh, there's another one where you can look at it uh, in different ways. Well, yes, you could certainly say Guardiola for winning the league or Jurgen Klopp for winning two trophies and getting Liverpool into the Champions League final. But both those clubs have enormous resources. 
And what about Antonio Conte taking Tottenham from mid-table to a Champions League place? Brentford would have been many people's favourites for relegation, but Thomas Frank, with limited resources, has taken them to 14th. And Newcastle United seemed dead and buried in the bottom three in December, but under Eddie Howe, they finished 11th. And Graham Potter's Brighton were 9th this season, after being 16th last season. That's a really magnificent achievement for such a small club. It's a difficult one, really, because you can argue, certainly, for Klopp and Guardiola. But I think the achievements of Conte, Frank, Howe, Potter, in relation to the resources they had at their disposal, are extremely commendable. Yeah, thanks, Stuart. It's a great talking point, this one, and asking for your thoughts on social media. Uh, Who do you think was the best manager in the English Premier League this season? Uh, Jurgen Klopp was named the Premier League's manager of the season, ahead of Pep Guardiola. Uh, But we heard there from Stuart there are other managers who did remarkably well with less resources. Uh, Thomas Frank, who took Brentford to 14th. Eddie Howe, who really turned around Newcastle's fortunes. And Graham Potter, who took Brighton to ninth place. So who would you say was the best manager this season? You can post a comment on our Facebook page. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Who would you say was the best manager in the English Premier League this season? So it's Liverpool against Real Madrid in the UEFA Champions League final this Saturday. It's Al-Ahli against Wydad Casablanca of Morocco in the CAF Champions League final on Monday. Lots to look forward to. That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.